Always want to make sure that we're providing the accurate information on coronavirus. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. The accurate information includes the, the information from the CDC, the information uh, from the state, and what it is doctors are actually experiencing. And it's more than just doctors. Doctors, nurses, orderlies, housekeeping, administration, and those people who are on other parts of the front line. You walk into any supermarket, you walk into the Walmart, or you walk in uh, to the Walmart, look at me, or Target, whatever the case may be, and people are stocking shelves. Those are people who are surrounded by others, and they're dealing with sometimes some really awful people as customers who think that they're more important than everybody else around them. Those people deserve your respect as well. Dr. Louis Perfetta joins us right now. He's on the drivehubler.com hotline. Uh, emergency physician at St. Vincent uh, Hospital. He is uh, also uh, completed his uh, postgraduate training in emergency medicine at the University of Pittsburgh, ranked by LinkedIn as one of the 12 health professionals you should be listening to, uh, and he is right down the road. Uh, we've spoken uh, about this and talked a, a few weeks ago, and certainly I've been engaged with you in between about what it is that uh, healthcare workers were expecting from coronavirus. Well, now we're supposed to be in the surge with dates about the peak changing a little bit and coming possibly a touch earlier with a touch more severity. What are you seeing not only in ERs, but in hospitals? How so far are they handling it in central Indiana? Well, in central Indiana, I think it's been handling it remarkably well. Um, you know, in a lot of ways we needed a city like New York in terms of their response and what has happened there to really wake up the rest of America. You know, we've done some good things in this state. You know, we've had uh, our budget has been good. We've got extra income to sort of address some of these health care issues. Our stockpiles are, are fairly good. And, man, our hospital, I, I can't say enough just about the job that people like Jeff Rothenberg and Eric Wehrmeister and Mary Myers did in sort of preparing our hospital for the surge. And, uh, I mean, our ICU is filled. Unfortunately, our morgue is also filled. But our secondary ICU and our surge capacity is there. We still have plenty of, of ability to expand and plenty of ventilators uh, in, to be able to be used. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very trying time. Every ER doc and ICU doc in America will tell you this is the, the hardest environment we have ever worked in. And this disease acts like nothing any of us have ever seen before. So when you say things like that, it acts in a way that no one has ever seen before. Can you give me an example of you expected X and you got Y? Yeah, yeah. Uh, give me just some sort of – you talk to the IT docs and all of us. Just simple things like it, it seems to be – and I may be using some medical jargon that may be a little hard to understand. It, it seems to be almost pro-thrombotic. You pull the IV lines out. Everything – the blood seems to be clotting super fast. We're seeing a lot of – clotting issues, everything from pulmonary emboli to, deep, to blood clots in the legs, the strokes that we think are actually related to COVID. You'll have patients that'll come in that'll be uh, a little bit hypoxic, meaning their oxygen levels are low, they're a little short of breath, but they don't really look that bad. It might be just like anybody else you might see with a mild case of pneumonia or bronchitis or, or asthma at any other time. And then an hour later, they're in florid respiratory failure. Their lungs are full of fluid. They're, they're suffocating. We have to put them on a vent. The, the rapidity in which these people progress is staggering. And um, it just it doesn't behave like normal infections. We have all these infection protocols involving sepsis in terms of giving these people you know, a septic patient, somebody with a blood infection, high volumes of fluid to sort of stabilize their blood pressure 
and bring their lactic acid down. And you do this to these COVID patients, you, fl- you throw them right into respiratory um, failure. You fill their lungs with fluid. It, it just doesn't act like anything any of us have ever seen before. It's all over the place. And when all this is said and done, Tony, there's going to be so many papers written about this, about the pathology and about um, how these people responded and what the best way of taking care of them. It is so bizarre that none of us can get our hands around um, all the different complications uh, of it, and we need to respect it. Talking to Dr. Louis Profeta, uh, an ER uh, doc here in Indianapolis with St. Vincent. Um, when you say that, and other doctors and other healthcare uh, workers discuss that, um, does that explain why uh, it was Dr. Anthony Fauci writing in the New England Journal of Medicine that this was just a severe strain of the flu? Why Dr. Jerome Adams, the Surgeon General, was saying you don't need to wear a mask and now you do? Dr. Burks, Deborah Burks, the White House uh, response coordinator, has uh, changed her conversation uh, pieces that it, it, it wasn't about do you see it as about deceit from them early on or it was that was the information then and two three months later we've got a whole different set of data to be able to get understanding from well because china was lying to us i mean and and so they were taking the data that they had available from them early on i mean it's not a uh, it's not purposely deceitful this stuff changes so quick it's amazing the things that we think we know about a disease process and all of a sudden it starts to ramp up all these things become more evident and different. There's different beliefs and different uh, techniques tried. So it's not necessarily just, uh, it's not being deceitful. It's just not having the, the data. I think, you know, it's, it's speaking before you have all the data in and that's what, what you're seeing, but you have to, you've got to go with sort of the information you were given. And, you know, um, you know, we were fundamentally, um, I think, uh, deceived by uh, a country that was really experiencing this from the onset. And, um, you know, it, we have to do some soul searching from this point on in regards to, to China, I thoroughly believe. One of the things that I have noticed and, and uh, I have uh, discussed with you on the periphery and discussed here on the show is that as things started becoming problematic in terms of testing, the regulations were reduced or eliminated, um, taken away at the FDA and the CDC, and that opened up testing to the private labs in two states. So we really did lose uh, the the month of, of February uh, on testing. So the first question is about testing. Would earlier testing, in your opinion, have done more to lower the, the death toll from coronavirus? And in that conversation of low of reducing and eliminating regulations and the impediments have your hospitals been working to remove regulations that on that if still in place would make it much tougher to do your job i don't know yeah you ask a great you ask a great question and we've sort of talked about this in the past when you look there is so much regulation in healthcare from from everything. I mean, when you look at things like JCO and joint commissions and issues and hoops that the hospitals and healthcare providers have to go through just to do their job, uh, it, it's just incredible. It, it makes you wonder, okay, if they were so able to remove these regulations to allow things to go through uh, um, quickly to allow us to get certain uh, treatment and testing. The question then should be, well, why were those regulations in place anyways? Maybe we are maybe we are overregulating. I mean, it's still it's still the case. You still see sort of overregulation within the hot uh, all these hot uh, healthcare systems. Like like right now, 
if you go to the different social media sites involving ER physician groups, it's incredible about how many administrators out there are paying more attention to what's being posted in terms of selfies and Facebook posts from their physicians and nurses than they are to N95 masks. Fortunately, I practice in a hospital that doesn't do that, that is really patient-focused. But just simple things like that. yeah, it, there is uh, way too much overregulation, and we need to get back to it, uh, get back to allowing us to break down some of those barriers to provide care. By the way, uh, JACO, Joint Commission on the Accreditation of Hospital Organizations, right? That's what that stands yeah. for? Yes. Okay, just making sure, because I'm just getting used to that terminology. I never, I don't work in a hospital, had, had not gotten into it, but when we talk about yeah, it, as yeah. I've been looking at all these layers of regulation, this is just another one of them, and there's a question of whether or not there's actual efficacy there. Oh, you, 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 you're kidding. That's it. But, yeah, you're talking about one of the, the, the biggest uh, sort of pains of existence for every physician and administrator in, in America is joint commission. The amount of time they spend policing whether we have a lid on our coffee cup at the nurse's station would have been better spent had they been paying attention to the stockpile of N95 masks. Um, you know, so you know, issues like that, oh, I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's we, I want to get into that with you, but I, I can't do it right now. The, the, before I let you go, because I'm, I'm up against it, um, people have been talking about making deliveries to hospitals. You know I'm about to get this started, and I can't wait to make that announcement. Um, if people want to bring food or, you know, pre-wrap to this and, and, and that to, to a hospital, do you, do you have a suggestion on how they do that? Well, at our hospital, so many people are just reaching out to me, and I was making arrangements. But now, you know, call, different hospitals have different regulations. I will tell you this. If your hospital says, no, our policy is not to allow it, uh, don't go to that hospital ever again. Okay? That's an example of a hospital that's overregulating their their hospital environment. St. Vincent's has been great. Um, we have been working through uh, the foundation where we're, we're uh, people can call St. Vincent's Foundation and arrange for, for food to be brought in and delivered and restaurants to deliver. So, you know, going through their, their foundations, going through the public relations people, or even just reaching out and calling the emergency department, speaking to whoever answers the phone and saying, hey, can I bring you some pizzas? Um, most of the time, we'll say yes. That's how you do it. Make the phone call first. Make sure uh, that it's yeah. cool. Dr. Dr. Lewis Perfetta, and you can find him on LinkedIn at Dr. Lewis Perfetta, P-R-O-F-E-T-A. I appreciate you taking the time. Go take care of people. We'll talk to you soon.